Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, Lord. And Lord, we long to be together, and yet it's good to know that we still worship together, Lord, that we, we come together as one body, uh, singing praises and learning, Lord. And so we thank you for your grace. And yet, Lord, I pray that you give us a bigger vision of what church is this morning, that it's not just about times like this, and it's not even when we get back together and get to worship uh, in a building, Lord, but that we are a church body, uh, given the opportunity to love and to encourage one another. And so, Lord, help us to, to better understand what church is in a time of COVID and help us to understand our role within that. We thank you. We love you. We praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As Safer at Home continues to be extended, we wanted to take the next couple of weeks to think through church in a time of COVID. Now understand, our intent is still to meet as soon as we feel it's safe to do so. And I really appreciate the support of this church. It seems like just about everyone understands that the elders and the staff, we absolutely want to meet together, but want to do so at which point when it's wise. So by discussing kind of the fall, we haven't resigned ourselves to being online forever, but I'm sure you realize that even when we start uh, to gather together again, not only will there be individuals and families that choose to worship from home for a longer season, but there'll likely be residual physical, emotional, and spiritual effects because of what is happening. So we, we need to really consider how we can best love and serve one another in a time such as this. In other words, we can't simply hang, on, hang in there until things return to normal. We need to pivot a bit and consider what church needs to look like during this next season of life and ministry. Now, you might be rolling your eyes and add another message on the church, especially since I can actually see you rolling your eyes. But I think we would all agree that we are in an, a unique moment in history. And much of our lives have been affected in one way or another. School, work, parenting, marriages, free time, spending, health, celebrations, future plans, among other things, they've all been affected by COVID. And the church is not immune to this. Last week I had to tell one of my sons to put a shirt on for service. That was never an issue when we met at church. It wasn't like he was walking to kids ministry bare chested thinking that was okay. I mean, just the fact that I'm preaching to an empty room and you're watching from your couch screams the reality that things are different. So we need to consider the church. We would be foolish to put a lot of thought into working at home or our distance learning and not consider what church should be like in a time of COVID. So with that in mind, we turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Paul writes Ephesians, at least in part, with the intention of telling the recipients who they are in Christ and how they can live out their faith in the context of the church family. So after taking the first three chapters to really lay out the gospel, it then places before us really the beauty and the necessity of the church. The passage was read earlier in the service, but listen again to verses 11 and 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So understand the call for us today in a season of safety at home is the same as it was 2,000 years ago. Saints or Christians doing the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. That is what church is meant to be. We'll dive into this in more in a moment, but here is the key idea I want us to consider. The church is essential to us, and we are essential to the church. Now, this may sound like typical church speak, but pause and think of your own life for a moment. 
Do you live by the conviction that church is essential? Not helpful, not obligatory, but absolutely essential. Like you can't live without it essential. And this is important because if we don't see the church as essential, we will miss out on so many of the blessings that Christ intends for us to have through the church. I'm very convinced that for many of you, you aren't making the most of what the church is meant to be. I'm not very tech savvy, so this is not shocking to anyone who knows me well. So my computer is often just a word processor. I'm sure there are literally a million things you can do with it, but I use it as a glorified typewriter. Similarly, for for some of you, you're getting less out of the church than God offers. There's so much God intends for you in and through the church, and yet you're kind of a one-computer program kind of person, that program being watching service on a Sunday morning. But if church is just Sunday morning service or a place to get a spiritual pick-me-up, then again, you're missing out on so many of the blessings God is holding before you. Maybe even worse, for some of you, church isn't even uh, using a computer as a word processor, but as a paperweight. So it kind of serves a purpose to hold papers in place. Yet even worse than being underused, it is being misused. The church is meant to offer hope and help, grace and mercy, kindness and love. It's a place to find stability in a society that is increasingly unstable. A place to find truth in the midst of a culture of confusion. A place to find the one true God in a land of idols and a place to find a loving family in a world of rejection. So let's take a closer look at this by breaking our key idea down into its two parts, with the hope being that we will better know the importance and blessings of the church and how we can fulfill our role in it. So point number one, the church is essential to us. If you ask my youngest son, what is his favorite thing about school, he would likely say lunch or maybe PE. And this is not to be funny, but legitimately, He would sacrifice math and English for lunch and PE in a heartbeat. Now, obviously, things like lunch are important. I don't want my kid to starve. But there are really a lot of important things you could miss if you thought school was really just about lunch. Similarly, we need a bigger picture of what what church is. We must see it as essential. Now, you probably wouldn't expect a pastor to say the church is anything less than essential. I mean, it would be more shocking if I said church is optional. But if we're honest, essential is not the word we would often use. For some, it's helpful. Again, kind of a spiritual pick-me-up at the end of a long week. For some, it's an obligation, kind of like school attendance. For some, it's a social club. That's about relationships, seeing people. For some, it's an educational endeavor, an institution of learning. But I want to consider what it means that church is essential. As we look at the passage, consider what Paul says the church does. And as you listen, think whether or not this is what comes to mind when you think of the church. Verse 12, it's to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So the church is where we are built up, encouraged and strengthened. Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So the church unites us around truth and faith in Christ, and it matures us and helps us become more like Christ. Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried around by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So the church offers truth and stability in a world that is giving us its false narrative. In verses 15 and 16, 
rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So it leads to, to maturity in love, a, a corporate Christ-likeness. Maybe we could summarize it like this. The picture we are given is that the church consists of believers transformed by the gospel of Christ, united around the person of Christ, ministering the truths of Christ so that everyone would be rooted in Christ, resulting in a family who loves like Christ. Now this understanding of the church is different than how we might normally understand it. And it accomplishes at least a couple of things. First, it recognizes the importance of the church. Now, there are many reasons why the church is important. It's for exaltation, for edification, for evangelism. But in light of our Ephesians passage, we must also see the church is essential because through the relationships of the church, we grow in Christ-likeness and so are able to stand firm amidst the storms of life. Because the misnomer in all of, uh, of all that's happening is to think that the coronavirus is the greatest problem or it's sickness or it's loss of a job or some difficult home situation. But really, these are just the context of life to which our hearts get to respond. The greatest problems will always be the issues of the heart, what we worship and trust in, what we love and live for. For example, if you lost your job, it's an important and serious issue. We would never make light of that. But the bigger issue, how do we process and respond? What do you worship and trust in? What will you hope in? Beloved, it's through the church that God builds us up so that we can stand firm and even move forward with joy in the middle of dif the difficulties of life. Think about how differently people you know are handling this pandemic. You probably know, know some who are safe at home and yet scared. And on the other hand, those who are on the front lines of medical care, yet with great faith. Why? It's not simply personality or some innate courage or calmness. Believe in large part, it's how God has used the church in their lives and how they've embraced it for the grace that it is. So think about what would be helpful during a time such as this. Hope, encouragement, strength, perseverance, wisdom. Understand, these aren't simply personal pursuits. Rather, we find these and grow in these within the context of the church body. Does that make sense? I mean, as you look at scripture, there were no Lone Ranger Christians. If someone was outside the context of the church, it was always a bad thing. I mean, think about it. How many people do you know who are truly thriving spiritually and yet unconnected to a local church family? And I'm not talking about like they have some vague profession of faith or, or they're relatively moral or they're a really nice person. I mean, thriving in their relationship with Christ, theologically grounded stable in difficulties, persevering through dark times, joyful in trials, generous with what they have, investing in the growth of others, able to point people to Christ with truth, evangelistic, eternally minded, constantly hopeful. I mean, do you know anyone like that who is not intimately connected with a local church? Why is this? Because God created us to thrive within community, he made us to grow and learn, not only as individuals, but as a family. In the same way that a plant grows in soil, we grow in the context of the church body. Take us out of the church, and we have about as much chance of thriving as a plant taken out of its pot and left on a sidewalk. Here's what I'm getting at. 
if you're just watching this and thinking, okay, you've done church, you fulfilled your responsibility, you've gotten what you hope out of it, you're truly missing out. And you should not be surprised if now or at some point soon, you're struggling. You must be connected to the life of the church. If you're a visitor and don't, don't have a church, can you reach out to us? It has been so encouraging to meet people who have, who have joined us since the start of COVID. And we would appreciate the chance to get to know you. So please go to our website and contact the office. We would love to hear from you. If you're a visitor from another church, I truly hope these sermons are, are a help to you. We, we count it a blessing and a privilege to serve you in a small way. But let me encourage you to invest yourself in your local body. They need you and you need them. So first, this passage recognizes the importance of the church. And second, B in your notes, it reconstructs our understanding of the church. Now you might be thinking, okay, I, I know the church is important. That's why I want to meet back together. But look back at our passage. Does it seem to be describing Sunday mornings? I mean, do you read this incredible chapter on the church and think, okay, Paul is saying Sunday mornings are really essential. As you can imagine, I believe Sunday mornings are very important, right? As we gather together for worship and fellowship, right? In part, it's vital to who we are. But the picture Paul, Paul offers is something more expansive, meaning Sunday worship plays an important, even central role in our lives, but within the bigger and even more significant context of the church family. Practically what this means is that we can't conflate church and, and Sunday service. They're not the same thing. So when you hear people say, we need the church, there could not be a more true statement. The danger is to assume church is only about Sunday worship. Because what we truly need is what is being described in this passage. We need saints doing the work of ministry, building up the body of Christ. I really think this is where so many people get stuck kind of assuming church is Sunday mornings and so feeling that church is on, on hold or, or not very helpful or something to look forward to, all the while missing out on just how powerful the church is meant to be in our lives, not despite a time like this, but especially in a time like this. Now, we will discuss what this looks like practically in more detail in the next point. But if we're going to really embrace what the church is, we have to not only see the importance of it, but we must see it as more than Sunday worship. So two questions to ask yourself as you consider the church. Do you see the church as essential? Again, like can't live without it important. If you're unsure, just gauge your current involvement. What does church really mean to you? And second, following up on that, don't understand the church as primarily a means to Sunday mornings. So the question is, do I think church is Sunday mornings? If you're waiting for things to return to normal to get involved, or you feel like church will really happen when we meet again, then you're like the person who wants to get healthy and decides to start taking vitamins, neglecting exercise, a healthy diet, doctor's visits, getting enough sleep. Similarly, if you think, okay, church is important, I really need the church, so I'm gonna make sure I watch the video every Sunday. You're missing out on so much of what the church can and should be in your life. So again, are you seeing church as something more than Sunday mornings? So we start here. Church is essential. Told any less of an understanding is both unbiblical and detrimental. But with that belief firmly entrenched in our hearts, we must then consider our role in the church. And so that leads us to point number two. Point number two, 
We are essential to the church. A term that has entered our culture is essential workers. And I like that, right? There, there are definitely certain occupations that are important for the working of our society. But I've heard multiple pastors claim that we are essential workers, usually in the context of why they should be allowed to do certain things. And part of me totally gets it. We need pastors. They do serve a vital purpose in our lives. But actually, as we think of, of the ministry in the church, all of you are essential workers. So not just the staff, but you. And actually, I say this as someone who truly loves our staff. I'm amazed at how much they have done, how gifted they are. Just consider VBS or how many exceptional preachers we have or the strength of our counseling ministry or the different fellowship groups or the administration and all that they get done. I've been so blessed at how they've responded to all that is happening uh, to us. More than anything, I'm, I'm constantly encouraged by their love for the church family. So many staff meetings and discussions are just infused with their concern for all of you. I shared this with Praxis recently, but I don't simply love being a pastor. I love being a pastor at Lighthouse. I can't imagine being anywhere else. And, and one of the big reasons is the staff. It is a grace to work every day with friends and people you believe in. And yet, that all being said, I really believe that you are just as essential to Lighthouse as we are. The way 1 Corinthians 12 describes it, even the so-called weaker members are indispensable. So think about that for a moment, indispensable. You could be struggling with discouragement, a very new believer, or a young person in the church, and the Bible says that you are indispensable to who we are. Or to, the point, uh, this, uh, to our point this morning, you are essential. Now, when you hear that, what comes to mind? Do you really believe that? Usually we don't because when we think of ministers and ministry, we often think of the elders and pastors and staff. And so even if, if, if we say, hey, we should all be doing ministry, the thought is sure, but the pastors do the real work of ministry. I think it's often rooted in what we mentioned in the previous point, or equating church with Sunday worship. Because when we do that, then it really becomes about those in front, those with more outward giftings. But in our passage, Paul places before us a different picture of ministry. One that says each of us is essential for the work of ministry. Look again at verses 11 and 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So apostles and prophets were there laying the foundations of the church. Evangelists are expanding the reach of the church. But look at shepherds and teachers. The term shepherd is, is often translated pastor. That's what a pastor is, a shepherd. So, so this verse is referring to pastors. I also believe that, that shepherds and teachers is likely referring to one office. So we might say pastor-teacher. But to my point, how does Paul describe the role of the pastor? Does he say the pastors do the work of ministry? No, he's very clear. Pastors equip the saints for the work of ministry. So consider that, that the pastors are not the primary workers of ministry. They are called to prepare you for the work of ministry. And this is not an isolated idea. As you look through the epistles, the greater emphasis on, on ministry was on the believers of the church, not on the pastors. Now, obviously, this doesn't mean I don't do the work of ministry. I've been asked by unbelievers and sometimes even Christians, what do I do for the rest of the week? Since apparently I only work on Sundays. 
I was actually asked that a little while back by uh, someone who is a Christian and has heard me preach. So they heard me, uh, they heard me speak and thought, okay, yeah, he must have come up with that on Sunday morning. I wonder what he does for the rest of the week. But in reality, I'm called to do the work of ministry, not because I'm a pastor, but because I am a member. So in that sense, I have two roles. On one hand, I'm a pastor, which means I shepherd, I lead, I pray, I preach. And like the pastor says, I equip the people for the work of ministry. But on the other hand, I'm a member of this church, meaning I do the work of ministry. I love and I meet practical needs and I counsel and I encourage. So it's not like, okay, I'm the pastor and you all are members. Rather, it's I am one of the pastors and we are all members. And and here's my point in it all. Don't fall victim to what so many churches do and create a huge clergy-laity distinction. All of us are called to do the work of ministry. I like how Sam Imadi describes it, uh, how not just pastors who are doing the work of ministry, we all are doing the work of ministry. He writes, Consider the well-known one another passages. Service doesn't belong exclusively to deacons. Members are also to serve one another, Galatians 5.13. Pastors aren't the only ones who teach members. Who teach. Members also instruct one another, Romans 15.14. The music leader isn't the only one who blessing others with musical praise. Members also sing to one another, Colossians 3.12-16. Certified counselors aren't the only ones who help others through life's problems. Members also encourage one another, 1 Thessalonians 5.11. So again, think about that picture. You are an essential worker. Now, something I've appreciated is just how many servants we do have here at Lighthouse. Think back to a normal Sunday pre-COVID or to any of our, our weekly ministries before things shut down, and you probably realize that there are, there are hundreds and hundreds of people serving in formal capacities within the church. And Lord willing, we will get those opportunities again soon. And yet again, I want us to expand our understanding of the church to better fit the picture we see here in Ephesians. To mean not only the organized ministries of the church, but the organic one-to-one ministry of love that each of us should be involved with. In other words, if you think, okay, I serve in the church by leading worship or helping with parking or taking care of the kids in the nursery, that would be true, but maybe a bit incomplete. You have another role one that is about developing relationships and meeting practical needs and speaking the truth in love. That's what the church was 2,000 years ago. That's what it was six months ago before COVID. And that's what it is now. So again, I, I appreciate churches clamoring to open. I really can't wait until we do. But at the same time, Sunday mornings is not actually church in its complete sense. And so we really do a disservice if we think this family Uh, To this family, if we think church is about Sunday worship only, that text you sent telling someone that you're praying for them, that word of encouragement for the person grieving, the meal you brought to a busy family, the words of wisdom you offered a young person, that lingering conversation from the porch with someone dropping something off, that was so much of what the church is meant to be about. That is the work of ministry. Now, one simple application before we move on is to join one of our small groups coming up. Uh, if you're newer and wondering, okay, how do we, how do I get involved when I'm, I'm new to this church and can't even come to church? Join a small group. Again, next week, Pastor Matt, who, who oversees our small groups, will share more uh, about this upcoming season. But I think they will be helpful, not only because we're, we're going to literally study how we can be a part of one another's lives, 
but we are then going to live that out in small groups. I mean, as we've grown in size, small groups have continued to be really one of the primary sources of community for our church. And so I really want you to encourage you to, to join a small group, not only to learn how to better love one another, but to have a place to better love one another. Back to our study. Now, according to the passage, there are at least three things that kind of help define and describe how each of us ministers to one another. The word we hold in common, the uniqueness of our gifting, and the overarching call to love. First, by word we hold in common, I mean that, that a major part of our personal ministry is how we build one another up with the truths of the gospel. As verse 15 says, speaking the truth in love. Okay, that describes one-on-one ministry. So whether you are a formal counselor in our church or speaking to a friend who is stressed out about work or teaching your child about kindness, we are each called to point others to Christ. I mean, understand there are people right now who could use encouraging truth. People stressed over schooling, fearful for their health, frustrated at safer at home, impatient with their family. And what they need isn't necessarily another sermon. They need you, their friend, their fellow small group member, their ministry partner to come alongside of them and listen humbly and intently, speak gently and lovingly, and offer the beautiful and powerful truths of who Christ is. Now, if you feel unable to do that, first understand how, don't, first, don't underestimate how God can use even the simple truths that you share. And second, again, our small group study is on caring for one another. So uh, it's us equipping you for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So again, let me encourage you to be a part of our small groups. Second, our serving is defined by the uniqueness of our gifting. And by that, I mean that though all of us have a, a ministry of building up one another with, the gospel, with gospel truth, we are all gifted uniquely to help and encourage people in different ways. As verse 7 says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So again, he, he's gifted us, each of us differently and specially. Later on, it describes us as a body made up of different parts that only function when each of us, um, when each part does its unique role. Verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So my gifting is different than your gifting. And you really need to believe this. Believe that God has uniquely gifted you to love well within this church better in many circumstances than I can. I truly love when I hear about church members visiting people in the hospital or counseling others or sharing their faith because that's what the church is about. I don't think like, man, that should have been me. Like I do that better than other people. I really do believe there are so many in this church who do so many things better than I could do them. Now I do have gifts, apparently singing Hamilton being one of my greatest, but the older I get, the less gifted I realize I am. Because when I started out in ministry, I assumed my giftings would really broaden and expand, that I would learn how to do so many different things and do them well. But honestly, the, the further in ministry I get, my focus continues to narrow. And I realize as much as God has given me gifts, he didn't give me a lot of them. I mean, the ones I have, I need to focus on and use by grace for your good and God's glory. So again, I can say before God that I absolutely believe so many of you do so many things better than I could ever possibly do them. So I'm gifted, but so are you. Our gifts are likely different, but each is needed if we're going to build up one another in love. But isn't that both beautiful and amazing? 
backing up my point is that you must believe God has uniquely gifted you to help build up others in love. And third uh, is the overarching call to love. Verse 7, speaking the truth in love. Verse 16, build itself up in love. Uh, Chapter 5, verse 2, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Okay, so we are always seeking to love others, right? Now, this probably goes without saying, but let's be honest, there can be a bit of a consumeristic attitude when it comes to church, um, constantly wondering, like, how is the church serving me? Especially with things being online. I mean, before, if you weren't getting much out of the sermon, it wasn't like you could just turn me off. You had to sit, you had to sit in the sanctuary until it was done. But now you can press pause, you can switch tabs, you can turn off the computer. And so again, we become a bit consumeristic. But imagine during this time of COVID, if each of, each of us was thinking, how can I love others? Is that the overarching thought in your life? How can I love my church family at Lighthouse? Because again, if you're waiting until we meet again, you're missing daily opportunities to love your church family and build others up. Putting it all together, you have to consider how has God uniquely made you to love others and encourage them in their walk with Christ? I, I love seeing people use their gifts for the blessing and the building up of our church family. Just over the recent weeks, I've seen so many examples, right? Earlier this week, we had that uh, seminar where some long-time homeschooling moms help people think and prepare for distance learning this fall. A former teacher and current mom with special ed training uh, helping a family with a child with special needs. Families who are financially stable, and by stable, I don't mean rich, but stable, helping those who could use help. We have people with film and editing gifts really doing so much to make our online experience as profitable as possible. Those who cook and bake, encouraging others' hearts and waistlines with gifts of food. We have informal counseling going on in various relationships within the church. We have people uh, praying for others constantly. And again, this is not about what the pastors or leaders are doing, but what you are doing. In fact, the staff is not only serving, but they, they too have been the recipients of your grace. Our staff share that they've been brought food. They've had these, these conversations from the porch that have been such a blessing. They've had people reach out to them and ask them how they're doing and how they can be praying for them. They've received actual handwritten letters. They've had people celebrate important events with them over Zoom. They've, they've received financial gifts, encouraging notes. Personally, my family has been blessed in many ways, but I just think the prayers, words of encouragement, and support during a, dif- a difficult time has been an absolute grace. But to me, this is a picture of the saints doing the work of ministry. The fact that I am part of this church and not just expending myself for others, but receiving so much blessings is what church is supposed to be about. So again, we come back to that question that you should ask yourself. How has God uniquely made me to love others and encourage them in their walk with Christ? I want to encourage you even this week to consider that. Maybe even writing down ways that you have been uniquely gifted by God to bless others. Could you be generous with with the church financially as we seek to use our resources to further gospel ministry? As you may know, this is a challenging time for nonprofits. One uh, that a member of our church works for had to lay off over four dozen of their staff. And so Lighthouse is trying to help other ministries as, as they try to further the gospel. In fact, this past week, we, we've committed 80000 to ministries outside of our church. Everything from food for Myanmar and supportive ministries there to provisions for gospel work in Mexico 
to helping support a worldwide disability ministry conference? Could you be a part of that? Or could you do social distance visitation? Or could you tutor online for those who realize that they forgot math about 20 years ago and they have absolutely no chance of helping their kid with calculus? Could you give financial advice during a difficult economy because of your work background? Could you make masks for others? Could you help those struggling with technology in a time that is increasingly going online? Could you go grocery shopping for, for a family with young kids or someone with underlying health issues? Another big one is we need editing and filming done. Pastor David and his team have done a truly remarkable job in getting us online so quickly, but they're often backed up with projects. Could you join that team? In fact, if you do have skill in that area, could you please reach out to the church office and let them know? Here's the thing. I'm assuming there are hundreds of other examples of ways that, that you could serve uh, others here in a time of COVID. So what will you do? Here's my challenge. Don't wait for COVID to be over to decide to start serving again. For many of you, you've, you've already had a break. It's kind of been this five-month-long sabbatical, we'll say. But I want to encourage you to consider how you will serve in a time such as this. The next Sunday, we're going to kind of roll out some ways you can let, let us know about how you might be able to serve others. But I really want you to start by just thinking a bit more organically. And so after thinking through how God has gifted you, start to consider some specific people you could reach out to and love. It should start in your own home. The closest fellow member of Lighthouse is likely the person who sleeps in the same house. And so begin by thinking, how will you build them up? But also think of your small group. Again, that's really one of our main settings for relationships. But how could you serve them? But beyond that, I, wanna especially, I want you to especially consider those who might be newer to the church or, or those who are a bit more on the fringe and think through how might you love them? I mean, imagine going through this whole pandemic and not really having solid believers in your life to encourage and pray for you. Now, once you have them in mind, then you can ask yourself, four questions revolving around four simple ideas. Communication, practical needs, spiritual needs, and prayer. So first, in your notes, how can I ensure open communication? In other words, is there an open line of communication between you and them? Do they have the opportunity and feel the freedom to share hurts, joys, struggles, needs, stories of grace, etc.? And if they aren't the type to call you for help, which many are not, then reach out to them. Make it your goal to make contact, open lines of communication, and then persistently reach out to them to see how you can love them. Second B, ask, what are their practical needs and how can I meet those needs? Maybe something you could provide, a, a meal for a busy family, uh, taking care of a child with special needs, or shopping, or tutoring. But if it's not, could you be the person who helps them connect with someone who can help them? Here again, my guess is many of the people in our church who, who need help won't ask for it. So you must go back to step one and open lines of communication. Third C in your notes, what are their spiritual challenges and how can I offer loving truth about Christ? So, so where are they hurting? What are their fears? What are their struggles? What sins are they battling? How is their hope? And then how can I, I point them to Christ? What truth can I offer them that would help make sense of what they're going through in light of who Christ is? What verse would fuel their love for him? What passage might remind them to trust him in greater ways? What encouragement can, can I text them 
to keep their focus on Jesus? What resource can I connect them with? What sermon can I recommend? What book can I buy them? Again, if you don't know how they're doing, how they're struggling, go back to question one and ask them. Lastly, D, how can I be praying for them? How can I intercede on, the behalf, on behalf of them? Remember, prayer isn't what you do when nothing else works. It is what works. It isn't what you do instead of the work of ministry. It is the work of ministry. And like a broken record, though most of you won't get that illustration, if you don't know, ask. So there's kind of a simple template to help guide the ways that you attempt to build up others in love. Here's the thing, it doesn't have to be earth-shattering. Like we looked at a few weeks ago, when Paul was confined, he simply wrote letters. And you don't have to solve a person's problems with one moment. Right? The picture in our passage is one that, that takes place over time. It doesn't say the church is immediately mature, but it's becoming mature. It doesn't say it's immediately built in love, but it's being built up in love over time. So start with what you can do, a prayer, a word of encouragement, an act of service. Trust that God will use that. Lastly, to live out this passage, ask for help. Now, this rubs against how many of us were raised. Certain cultures in particular idolize self-sufficiency. But that's not the way the church is, what the church is about. As we have described in the past, we are all needed or essential, but we're also all needy. All of us need one another. So don't let pride stop you from asking for help. Maybe most simply just start with asking people to pray for you. There should be people in your life that you can call or text and say, please be praying for me. I'm, I'm losing with my kids. Play for me. I'm, I'm worried about my job. Please pray for me. I'm fearful uh, for, the, for the future. Please pray for me. Or if you're struggling financially, right, please ap- approach our compassion ministry. We understand that the pandemic has impacted many people's finances. So if, if you're facing financial difficulties, I want to make sure that you're aware of Lighthouse's compassion ministry. Right? It exists to, to help our members and regular tenders in need. So if you're struggling, you can submit a request for assistance through the church website by going to the ministries tab and then selecting compassion ministry. After that, one of our leaders will will follow up with you. If you need help with distance learning, could you reach out to a a Praxis Age person who could help with online tutoring or a homeschooling family about strategies for teaching at home? If you need counsel, could you reach out to your small group leader? And ask them to help you process your struggles in light of who Christ is. Now again, ideally, you start with those you know and with your small group. But if you're not sure who to ask, please reach out to the church office. And hopefully we can point you to where you can receive the help and encouragement you need. Backing up to the the kind of big picture. Do you see that church is essential to you and that you are essential to the church? I hope so. I pray that you're not waiting until things return to normal to really be involved. I mean, the church is more important than ever. And I'm not referring primarily to Sunday mornings, but we need church because we need one another. We need to to do the work of ministry so each of us grows in faith in Christ and grows in Christ-likeness. Let me close with this. There is so much talk in our society, rightly so, about safety. Right, that, that's why we're under safer at home orders. And you realize, whereas physical safety might be safer at home, spiritually it is always safer with the church. Does that make sense? So we are spiritually safest when we are intimately connected to the church family. 
Because while we're in a time of incredible change and uncertainty, we have to realize that the church is fundamentally the same. So though certain aspects of ministry have changed, at its core, the church is unchanged. So many of us are kind of on these plan Bs of life, distance learning, working from home, canceled trips and vacations. The church has always been and will always be God's plan A. But that should give us encouragement and even confidence. Because the church is God's means of taking care of his children, we can be absolutely certain that the church will prevail. I mean, if, as Jesus teaches, the gates of hell won't prevail against the church, we can safely assume that neither will the coronavirus. So Lighthouse, do you want to be safe during this worldwide pandemic? Then make sure that you're embracing all that the church is meant to be. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy. And I'm so thankful for this church family. Lord, you've been so kind to us beyond what we can possibly even imagine. And yet, Lord, in, in a time like this, when things are so different, so unique, I'm sure many are tempted to kind of hole up in their homes or, or kind of withdraw until things, till we get back together. But Lord, would you help each of us want to, to have this desire to reach out and to minister and to love one another? Lord, help us to, to live by the conviction that not only is church essential, but we're essential to the church. Lord, and that this would be a season, a unique season, where we actually grow closer to one another through all that's happening. We thank you, Lord, for, for the grace of the church. We thank you for blessing us with this community. We hope that we can bring you honor by the way that we embrace it for all that it is. We thank you. We love you. We praise you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.